are not understanding that process of stabilizing your midline, your foundation, and throwing on the belt, you're kind of one step ahead on where you should be, right? It's kind of trying to learn a muscle up before you got a pull up. Welcome back, episode 36. Brett, you ready to rock and roll, baby? Let's get it going, baby. I think uh, this is a really exciting one because uh, we have so much personal experience ourselves uh, with this topic, and that's what is our personal preferences on certain types of gear that uh, people in our facility use and in this culture, in this industry. Uh, most of these conversations come out of CrossFit, but there's some gear and equipment that we know other athletes like power lifters uh, and bodybuilders are using as well. But really, that's our core, and we'll extend that conversation outside of that. Yeah, no, uh, any type of fitness gear is, is huge in the fitness industry, no matter what types of training you do, powerlifting, CrossFit, bodybuilding. And some, uh, some gear is utilized correctly, and then sometimes gear is utilized incorrectly. So the point of our podcast today is kind of uh, go back and forth on how to use it, when to use it, uh, all the different types, uh, and kind of you know, piggyback off each other's thoughts. You know, I'm curious to see what you, why you use this, why you use that. And uh, you know, I'm excited to kind of give my thoughts on why I use a different type of gear. Yeah, some of the things that I recognize first is we want to talk about the outcome. What is the goal of the gear in the first place is the question that everyone should ask before they touch the gear. What do they think this is going to do? And it can either do two things potentially. It can potentially increase performance and it can potentially reduce injury. That's the goal of any gear, one or both of those things. And when I'm asking individuals the same conversation like we're gonna ask each other today, it's why do they think they should use that gear in the first place? Because there is no magical piece of equipment out there. There are things that can assist our current baseline, our current skill set, but we're not using that to supplement bad technique. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. You are using that for those two reasons or one of those two reasons and not to adapt it as a crutch, right? Um, it's not taking a priority over, you know, fundamental quality movement, doing something correctly. Um, that's got to be the priority, right? And that takes a different type of awareness. And that's what we're trying to, you know, spread that type of awareness uh, through today's podcast. The other thing that I've recognized, too, is that cool factor. There's a cool factor to using new equipment. And that comes from the professional athletes. A lot of the trends that I see in workout gear come specifically through the professional athletes, the high-end CrossFitters, the high-end powerlifters, and the high-end bodybuilders. And so the general population is taking that and they're saying, well, they're doing that, then I should do it too. Mm -hmm. And those are two completely different conversations. And so one, I just want to recognize are that these trends, 99% of the time are coming through professional athletes. And so we have to kind of always uh, take it through that lens because uh, there's a reason why they should use that and maybe some a novice beginner shouldn't use that piece of equipment and maybe over time they should. Uh, so that's the lens I'm always taking workout equipment from. I'm also personally, as you've noticed when I train, I'm a minimalist. There's I don't even tie my shoes in a workout 90% of the time. So I uh, that's how I take it, but for me, I'm the, I need to do this through safety most of the time when I'm looking at equipment. And then if I'm peaking 
when I know I'm peaking at 90% capacity on strength and or conditioning, then maybe I might use something like that. So those are my personal preferences and biases because I want everyone to know they have a bias for this kind of stuff. They, they prefer it over others regardless of what other people say and they need to take that, uh, the information we take with a grain of salt today. Yeah, no, I agree 100% I'm the same exact way, uh, minimalist to the, to the fullest. I only wear it, um, I try to not wear it as you know least as possible and I only wear it to enhance performance, right? Um, and literally I won't throw it on until it's like, hey, my performance is starting to lack because I'm getting to that heavier load now I need that little bit of boost, right? But, uh, so another example, I got this kind of funky elbow thing going on, right? Um, some people I've told about it, they say, oh, you should get a wrap or you should get a, a elbow sleeve, right? And that's kind of, in my opinion, using as a crutch to mm. kind of get me through. It's like a, a temporary band-aid, right? Right, because they didn't say, well, hey, how do we heal your thing up? They were basically saying the band-aid. Yeah. How can we keep you moving through pain? Yeah, it's just a temporary band-aid, so yeah. I'll, you know, I got the type of awareness. I'm not gonna do that. I'm just gonna try to get right and uh, use gear for you know for what it's worth, and that's to either increase performance, um, just like you said. Yeah, no, that's really good. I think this uh, before we before we we talk about certain equipment is that ultimately, especially from the injury side of stuff, if you're using the piece of equipment because it's causing because it slightly helps the pain that you already have, and you're not trying to deal with the root issue. Yep you're in big trouble because it's gonna band-aid enough for you to keep working through that and then ultimately until a traumatic injury or a chronic issue occurs, that's gonna put you out for good. Mm -hmm. So let's get rolling. Um, so yeah, let's go with the format we kind of talked about you know, before we, we started rolling. Uh, I'll pick a, a piece of gear, a piece of equipment, and you can kind of give me your take on it and then I'll follow, follow up with it, cool? Sure, let's so do it. So first one, uh, hmm, chalk. <laughs> Bro, why do you got to do that to me, dog? Because I know. Uh, so before I let you get into it, uh, you know, if you've been to our gym, you know we rarely, rarely use chalk. And if you are using it, you didn't get it from us, right? That's hilarious. Or they snuck it in, dog. There's some sneaky suckers out there bringing in their own chalk. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I've never trained with chalk since I've been here. My two years, I've uh, never been, you know, it's not something I use frequently. Um, so anyways, let, let's get rolling. What, what do you got on, on well, chalk? Well, one, I recognize there's a personal preference. As a business owner, I didn't see the, the sense of it. Like like you and many people, no one has ever used chalk until they jump into a CrossFit facility. And then it becomes this wonder drug. Like they're doing it, so should I. And so what happens is people were using it and they didn't know why, or they felt like everything needed to be chalked. So they didn't really understand the goal of chalk and when it should be used. And then two, personally, as a gym, it caused it havoc. I was picking up people all the time. It was disrespectful the way they used it. They, mis uh, they misused it and abused it. And so we just took out the chalk, right? Mm -hmm. Two, the obvious one is for uh, performance. They felt like by using the chalk that they can find better grip on things. And this goes back to the same issue we talked about with the elbow, which was the chalk is masking a really big issue. And that is you are using the chalk just enough to get adherence onto objects because you don't naturally have the grip. And so that's what I wanted to recognize. The lady can't hold herself on there, lady or man, I don't gender neutral here. Uh, the individual jumps on the bar and they can't hold, they can't sit in a hanging position for 30 seconds. There's no chalk in the world. There's not enough chalk in not the a magic world. piece of chalk, right? That's gonna hold mm -hmm. you up there longer than that. And 
that's your issue. You should be able to sit on a hanging position one, two, three minutes at a time at the hang. Mm -hmm. The chalk is not your issue, the grip is your issue. The other thing that I wanted to recognize is that there are only a couple times where people should use chalk. For me, if you look at, right, remember the trends come down for professional athletes, chalk is very common in Olympic lifting and powerlifting. When they are taking loads at two, two and a half, three times body weight, Hell yeah, use chalk. Mm -hmm. But there are individuals here that were using quarter body weight, half weight body weight, even one times body weight using chalk. The ultimate one for me is I saw a lady one day grab chalk before she went to do medicine ball cleans, bro. Just did it, right? Or they were using chalk for handstand push-ups. Oh, come on. So no, There's no grip in that. It doesn't make any yeah. sense. And so what happens is it just became this, uh, this, um, all effect where you just used it for everything. And so I've just been a staunch proponent. Like, listen, I'm deadlifting 450 with no chalk. I'm doing 30 pull-ups in a row with no chalk. Does it add f some extra form of friction and adherence that, uh, that you wouldn't have otherwise? Definitely. But for the majority of people, chalk is completely unnecessary. The other thing, the irony of all this is that what I recognize is that people that use chalk rip their hands most often because chalk dries the hands. That's the effectiveness of the chalk. Yeah, no, I've heard uh, people like to use it to keep their hands drier for sure and not have sweaty hands. Exactly. So it was, they were getting a little success with the chalk, but they were ripping their hands most often. And you know, hand care is pretty simple. Keep your calluses small and keep them moisturized so that the skin can take the stretch and the pull that you're giving it when you're pulling and hanging on things. Hand care is simple, but very difficult to follow up long-term. So uh, what we recognize is people just ripping their hands more. It didn't make any sense. And so ultimately, chalk is not a saving grace for people, and I wanna recognize that. Someone comes to me like, Mario, dude, I'm about to pull three times my body weight. Dog, I'm gonna, that, that chalk I have hidden in here, yeah. I'm gonna go bring it out. Yeah. But it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, it's it hasn't just, happened yet. It's, it's all about, you know, like we stated earlier in the podcast, is that type of awareness on why you're using chalk, right? Why you're using it. Um, not, it's, you can't use it as a crutch. You can't use it as, as a crutch if, you're gonna ask for chalk every time you're doing a set of pull-ups. Uh, you've got some grip issues right there uh, that you gotta assess and chalk's not gonna save them. Bro, drop-ins come to me, they look at me like I'm crazy. Oh, me too. me too. I don't dot dot the sentence. I say, no, we, we don't have chalk here. Cause if you want it, if I had that same combo with them, they think I'm crazy, bro. Mm -hmm. They think I'm crazy. Um, here's one, for me? belt. What do you think about using a belt? Uh, okay. Um, well, I say the biggest misconception about the belt is it kind of will prevent low back injuries, uh, or if you have a current low back injury, a belt will magically save it, right? Uh, when, you know, the one word that comes into mind when using a weightlifting belt is stability, right? Mm. That is what the weightlifting belt is for, is, you know, wrapping around super tight on your core, okay, take a big breath, hold it in, push into the belt, and that combination of your big belly full of air with the belt is gonna keep you nice and stable, right? Um, dude, I'll be going around the gym sometimes, uh, not our gym, but you know other gyms where I got I see people wearing belts for like bicep curls and uh, you know seated machine leg curls or something like that, right? Uh, at that point, people are just using it as a crutch, um, but you know it all comes down to that type of awareness like we talked about on why you would use a belt.
What's your take? No, I agree. I think there also needs to be a baseline strength. You should be able to back squat your body weight. You should be able to deadlift your body weight in a quarter, body weight in a half before you touch the belt, right? At 315 on the deadlift for reps, I'm grabbing the belt. At 315 for back squat reps, I'm grabbing the belt. Those are probably the only few times that I grab it. I'm going to one rep clean and jerk max. Grabbing the belt. I'm grabbing the belt. Mm-hmm. But I have numbers in my head for when that is. Not, oh, I'm doing those lifts, so I might as well grab the belt. And you have a, a sense of uh, awareness on how to keep your core stable before you even put the belt on, right? You have a sense of how to, you know, uh, keep a nice tight midsection without putting the belt on. So if you are not understanding that process of stabilizing your midline, your foundation, and throwing on the belt, you're kind of one step ahead on where you should be, right? It's kind of trying to learn a muscle up before you got a pull up. If you can't brace and stay stable without a belt, you're not gonna do it with then the you're belt. not gonna do it with a belt. So you gotta kinda train, train and train without one to the point to where like, okay, I understand this concept. And then once it's finally on, you know, that's when it enhances the performance. And you know, as coaches, we're giving tactile cues to belly, they're pushing out, they're not sucking in, right? Most people think they're bracing belly by sucking in. No, we're pushing into that, creating intra-abdominal pressure. That used to be called the invisible belt because it still had that feeling because you were pressurizing against that area where the belt would be placed. But yes, the skill needs to be built on without the belt and move towards uh, 90% capacity work then you put on the belt mm-hmm. uh, okay next one I got uh, let's go with grips grips uh, no you know I gotta switch that up we just talked about chalk I want to talk about something grip wise uh, let's go knee sleeves knee sleeves and knee wraps yeah so I think one is to define the difference a uh, a knee sleeve is gonna be a compression uh, compressions they're building out now, they're, they're standard at three, five, and seven millimeters. So the thickness is really important with the compression. Do I feel like people should use uh, compression sleeves, knee compression sleeves? I think it helps do a couple things that's harder to do naturally and longer. One, uh, not get the knee warm, but keep it warm through an hour class. That's really hard to do. So. Uh, I prefer a light compression uh, at like three three mil. That does really good to uh, to keep the knee warm. The thicker you get on the compression on the knee sleeves, one of the things uh, we we know is that it can limit range of motion. So if you already have knee issues, you lack range of motion at the knee, you might even struggle even more with the compression of the knee sleeves. So. You, you have to uh, recognize that there are different thicknesses of compressions. Do they work? I think they do. I enjoy wearing them. I don't wear them all the time, like I said, uh, but I, I have seen uh, better comfortability and less inflammation post-workout using them than without them. Um, but again, uh, there's differences between the style of knee sleeves. Two, the wraps are very common in powerlifting, very, very common. Uh, but I think functionally from what we do here, it's not very purposeful. Unless we were spending a half an hour on the back squat, Makes sense. the knee wrap doesn't make any sense. It takes five minutes just to load both the knees on the knee wrap. 
do I think if you're squatting 500 pounds or competing or competing knee wrap is phenomenal that's why a lot of those guys use it remember what I said originally is a lot of these gears are coming out of professional athletes and then the general pop is coming in saying maybe I need that too if you're putting on a knee wrap at body weight for the back squat I'd be really concerned about the health of your knees man mm -hmm. because uh, your knees should be able to take on that compression right without yep. the knee wraps or the knee sleeves um, I do think functionally using a compression knee sleeve we do this uh, a lot for lunges high rep lunges you're gonna go rock out 200 400 meter lunges you want to put some knee sleeves on so you don't bang up your knees yeah that makes sense to me but we're not using them as a crutch for anything yeah to kind of sum up your points uh, I think it's safe to say sleeves is more functionality when wraps are more increase in performance uh, it could add anywhere from 20 to 50 pounds on your squat, right? Yep, that's very true. Uh, but it takes, when I was powerlifting a long time ago, it took me a good half dozen sessions to use that knee wrap properly mm -hmm. because there is a technique to how you do that and how much tension you put around that. Uh, and the idea is supposed to take some, some compressive forces off the knee. There are some... Uh, Russian high-level lifters that use knee wraps very uh, very unique to watch it's a very old-school style of training but they're using knee wraps for Olympic lifting now remember these are guys who are lifting one rep at a time two reps at maximum a time loads. Maximum. at maximal yep. loads 400 500 pounds overhead mm -hmm. makes sense but uh, again it's a very technical uh, way to wrap the knees for sure so you got to be learn how to do that through a pro not YouTube yeah no we got a nice little trend going on each piece of equipment and that's basically having a foundation before you even get there right before you even throw it on you have a foundation on what's going on before you know you throw that piece of equipment what's on. really good is that what came to mind is progression people should have a progression for equipment gear when they should and shouldn't use it based on the technicality and uh, difficulty of the movement yeah right? baseline yeah have a baseline progress through uh, progress through equipment gear based on need, right? Um, I know here's another one for you because you rock them a lot, uh, weightlifting shoes. When do you, first, do you think you should use it and if so, when? Well, let's go over the multiple types of, we'll keep it, we'll call it fitness shoes, right? Not even just strictly weightlifting, but fitness shoes, which is, uh, one is Olympic, Olympic lifters, right? Those, uh, are known for their raised heel, right? It's kind of giving you an increased ankle mobility, um, mostly, you know, most important for clean and jerk and snatches, and you can obviously squat with them as well. Uh, another one, you know, that's most common in the powerlifting uh, stage is uh, like flat, completely flat, you know, Converse is a big one, Vans are another big one, um, and those are, you know, best utilized for powerlifting deadlifts you can squat in those as well um and then there's obviously the traditional running shoes right you can you know throw something softer that absorbs the impact a little bit better use uh running shoes um and then there's kind of multi-purpose shoes you know uh metcons are a good one the the nanos the official crossfit shoe is another good one um but so basically you got to have that awareness on what type of movement you are doing and why the that uh, type of shoe you would be wearing for that type of movement, right? But if you have limited ankle mobility, don't use an Olympic shoe as a crutch, you know, work on your mobility, right? Um, 
or you know if you're powerlifting you can you know try to learn it without shoes so when you put on a shoe you know a, a flat sole shoe or whatever it transfers a little bit better um, and then you know running is running you can't go from you you know using running shoes to run a mile and use those same shoes to back squat right you're not gonna have the same support um, to you know move a heavy load in a squat then you know basically running shoes are very very soft and they absorb impact yeah there's a famous uh, weightlifting quote it says don't have a 10 cent squat and a hundred dollar pair of shoes mm -hmm. and the idea is is the shoes not going to save your terrible mobility or the lack thereof and so we have to have a baseline of capacity can the individual freely and smoothly move through the squat without pain or incapacity or the lack of range of motion that's number one two is what is the goal and purpose what makes group training the way we do here is that it's a really unique structure and that we put many different disciplines together as one you are powerlifting and olympic lifting and running all at the same yeah. time so you have to always can take that consideration our weightlifting shoes for great for lifting heavy loads definitely are they good for lifting heavy loads and having to go run a mile? No way. Hell no. So we have to always consider it. You know, I see some athletes uh, that when I work out with back squats and running, they keep their weightlifting shoes on. That's not what I want them to do. I also don't want them switching the workout, mm -hmm. switching their shoes in the middle of the workout. That doesn't make any sense. The, the clock is it's defeating the whole purpose of high intensity. And now if it's a strength day and we're doing nothing but the barbell, you're coming in here on barbell club on Sunday, Bring the weightlifting shoes, man. They will help long term. But we're not we're not trying to mask any issues where I'm like, oh, this dude's got terrible range of motion. Oh, why don't you buy some weightlifting shoes? Yeah. Because it doesn't fix Address, the real yeah, the issue. issue. Uh, cross trainers are great, but I think long term for running, they're terrible. I mean, people complain about that all the time. By the way, running 200, 400, and 8 meter, 800 meters at a time is not long distance running. Mm -hmm. Use cross trainers. Are you running any anything above 5K and above in a row without stopping? Get a good pair of running shoes. Now, we don't, for me, I'm always considerate of, you know, uh, extremes. Meaning, I can't go from a high profile, like, shoe with, like, five pillows underneath it and then just like naturally try to move into a squat the next day. There's there's just too many extremes. So even with the running shoe, I'm very considerate of how big the profile is, how much cushion they're putting into it. I want enough to support my feet, but not so much it throws me off on anything else when I jump into a cross trainer or something like that. So that's also really important to me. Yeah, basically um, you gotta be aware on the trade-off you're willing to give. Hey, I'm willing to give a little less comfortable on my 800 meter run to feel a little bit better when I do some weightlifting inside the gym for that piece, right? You're trading off um, a little bit of comfort somewhere and a little bit of discomfort somewhere else, but as long as it's not too far off, I think you're right on the right track. Yeah, man, we're, we're on it, we're on it. Uh, and last one, uh, wrist wraps. Okay, uh, I think we can go, uh, this is the grip, right? This uh, We're talking that or we're talking Okay, let's, let's kind of ran on both, the, the wrist wraps and the, the gymnastic wraps. Well, I guess you're right, because there are some gymnastic wraps that are uh, throwing the grips on it, the suede grip, but they're also now, like a bear complex, they're giving you a wrap around the wrist as well. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I'll go wrist wrap. You go, I already talked, you go grips, I'll go wrist wraps. Wrist wraps do, I think, uh, over time, 
the, that the stress of the wrist is going to become burdensome for everybody? Yes, mm -hmm. because the shoulders are gonna get 10 times stronger than the wrist can ever curl. And so we're, you, the wrist is a supporting structure for all pressing exercises. Whether you're standing press or you're inverting into handstand, the wrist is taking on a lot of that stress. There's only so much, we're not gonna jerk around and do wrist curls in class, we're not gonna do it. We can develop some of that grip strength through static holds, farmer's carries, hangs, things like that, but ultimately it still does not compare to the increased mass we're gonna get in our shoulders. So I do think over time, having a supporting structure on that wrist, even something as light, I've, I've stopped using gymnastic wraps because I felt like they were too much of a crutch because it's three and four ply long, and I moved to a light athletic tape. Just okay. something light, one or two ply, and I'm done. So I'm getting some support, but I'm not crutching it out. You're not losing flexibility at the same time. By putting that on. Yeah. But I know it's there and it's supporting me a little bit more than if I didn't have anything on that day. Yeah, no, it's, it's uh, providing support, but not to the extent to where you can't bend or move your wrist through a range of motion, right? Yeah, and sometimes those gymnastic wraps will do that. But some people can do it well. I've seen some great success with uh, people using gymnastic wraps. Uh, so you got you got to mess with that a little bit again. What's the angle? Are you in pain? Do you put the wrap on and it takes away the pain? Great. Okay. Now let's. How do we? How can we get this wrist to move, irregardless of wrap, and still feel good? Mm -hmm. Both of those things need to be tackled and addressed at the same time. Yeah, it's safe to say a poor front rack position is not going to be saved by you putting on a pair of wrist wraps, right? Not at all. You got to address. Uh, and that's, you know, that's so, so freaking common. Someone will do a, a front squat for one of the first times and their wrists start to hurt and their instant go-to is, oh, I gotta get a pair of wrist wraps. It's bad. Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone should be using wrist wraps if they're having pain in the rack position. I think the only goal for me are wrist wraps are uh, supporting the wrist during any pressing motion or isometric press motion when we're holding or doing barbell holds or for a lot of the pressing stuff that we do. Even maybe bench is another pressing that could help. A very uh, common high, uh, high level power lifters are using them for pressing, yeah. but rack position, man, I'm really, I'm really you gotta worried attack those weaknesses. because they're already giving it up. They're, your, your wrist is hurting because you're, you have such a lack of range of motion in the shoulder. You're putting all, you're taking the bar, rolling it off your last two fingers. Of course your wrist is going to hurt. It's going to hurt anyone who's putting 150 pounds on two fingers on the wrist. It's, that's, we got to go back to the technique, man. We got to look at some of these really common issues versus like, oh, my, my wrist hurt. Let's put on wrist wraps. It's not fixing the real issue. Yeah, it's just like we talked about earlier, it's that temporary band-aid, right? It's that temporary band-aid. And in regards to using wraps for all the pressing motions, it's kind of like the same uh, reasoning for using a belt, right? It's stability. Mm. A belt is used for core stability. Um, you know, wrist wraps are used to keep your wrist stable, right? Yeah. That's really good. And the other one you talked about is grips. What What's your preference on grips? Um, I don't use them often, uh, but it's just because I haven't got there yet, right? If I were to compete and they showed me a workout is, hey, let's do 100 kipping pull-ups for time, right? Or a, a stupid, like, large amount of muscle-ups for time, right? I know I'm going to be hanging on that freaking bar uh, more than normal. So the least amount of times I gotta come up and down off of the bar, the better, right? So if I'm using gymnastics wraps, right, that's what kind of with the top we're getting on here, um, then that would 
aid my performance. But you know, just like everything, um, I'm not gonna use that because uh, I got sensitive hands, right? Or um, I'm not gonna use that as a crutch. I'm using that because, hey, my foundation's set, but I need to increase my performance the best I can. I'm going to throw on gymnastic wraps to compete in that in that workout. Yeah, that's really good. I, so we're not masking that that grip, right? The 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 only time I would like someone at high, remember it's coming from high level athlete down. Watch when they use it. They don't have grip issues. The most two common exercises they're using this for are bar muscle up and ring muscle up. So I'm looking at that and they're chalking two on the leather wrap. Oh, so, so think about this. That kills me. What's happening is they are not using it to grip, right? Think about this. They're using it for rotation. So they're using the leather wrap with chalk to rotate their grip around the bar so they have a smoother turnover. That's why they're using it. But the general public doesn't recognize that. They think they're using it as this miracle hang on the bar. Most of those guys aren't even wrapping that gymnastic wrap that you place the two fingers on. They're not even putting it on their fingers. They're using it to wrap the leather around, the suede around the bar so it reduces all the friction that you would have if you went skin and chalk to hand. So it's a rotational cheat. It's a rotational cheat. Mm -hmm. They're not using it for grip. That would be perfect for them. But and then there's some really crazy, like if you, like, I always put myself in other people's shoes. Like if you look at a high level athlete, a high level gymna gymnast, and you saw what CrossFitters did with that, it, it's a debauchery of the tool. Because they only use it for high bar and rings. They don't, like CrossFitters now, they'll turn the suede on, use it to wrap, or they take it off to, and, and, the minute, and a minute after they're turning the suede wrap over so they can deadlift. I mean, does that make sense? No, yeah, it does. Um, if you're kind of running into you know, situations where you gotta adjust your gear accordingly because you're going from one thing to the other and it's slowing you down or it's setting you back, whatever the case may be, um, you're almost at a disservice, right? You're wasting time, uh, you're losing functionality, um, and you, all, you just basically are using that thing as a crutch at that point. Yeah, there's a, there's a meme where the guy's got all the CrossFit gear on and he looks like a complete jackass and he's like, I'm ready to work out. No, there's like, that one video too that it's like all oh, the different... Oh, he's in the bands or the mobility drills? Have you seen that one? No. He's in all these different mobility drills and he ends up using like 10 different bands. bands and he's like free hanging on the bands. No, the, uh, there was like the... I think I might have sent you, there was like five stereotypes of the type of people in a crossfit oh, yeah, gym yeah, 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 yeah. and there was one guy is the, the gear guy right and he's got <laughs> sleeves uh knee sleeves you know wrist wraps he's Shoes, got the head, whole belt headbands <laughs> <laughs> hey headbands are important dog yeah man, i mean uh, hey keep I sweat that. out of your eyes come on bro if, come on man if, if you had a drop in coming with a headband bro probably if he had, oh my god don't don't get me started bro <laughs> don't get me started Anyways, no, but I think ultimately as much as we joke and critical about some of this equipment, for us it comes back to we wanted to sell good quality movement and never did we believe that people had to move well with equipment, right? For me, it was if we're moving to the extreme of high level performance, some of these individuals are gonna need this type of equipment. But for the general novice athlete, general population, for the majority of people, they don't need stuff like this. Um, but I just, you know what i want people to consider is like
please, please don't do stuff because you see other people doing it on Instagram. Please do the research. Don't take my word for it. Look up credible information online and back that up with your own experience. But please do not start using gear because other people are using it. Yeah, no, you just gotta understand why you're using it and you have to make sure you have a baseline or a foundation set to the point where this is increasing performance or you know whatever the reasoning by throwing on this gear on and you just gotta make sense out of it, right? It's gotta make sense to you. You gotta understand what or why you are using it. That's it, baby. We appreciate you guys. We'll see you next week. Catch you next time.